0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Does anybody want the Lord to make them over? Just begin to celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know my other side. Can you say Lord make me open? Lord. Let's sing it Come on
2: Take me
1: over again Take me over again Time after time I failed you Here's your side When they already nailed you Jesus healed my open wound. I just want to be more like you, Father. I let you down, must not like you just take it how. Reconcile me, Jesus. I just want. Don't make me over
0: To hear that song in its entirety on this evening I just feel in my spirit that somebody is crying out to the Lord To Lord make me over To change my life I want to be different I want to be new I want to be someone in you Father I'm tired of being the way that I am Make me over again Lord I want change in my life Make me over again Well praise God it is such a Wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, joy to come before you again tonight on com Slash a word from God uh, Psalms 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times And his praise shall continually be in my mouth Well, welcome tonight to Words from God radio broadcast As I said on blogtalkradio.com I am your radio hostess this evening, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler, and I want you to know tonight that God has a designed word especially for you. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. By keeping God's word in our heart, it keeps us living a holy life if we choose to obey uh, the word of God. And then Psalms 119:105 says, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path," meaning the word will illuminate our steps as we walk towards our purpose and towards our destiny in Christ." So it brings me great joy to come before you tonight, and I'm just thanking and praising God that you have tuned in and joined in with us on this evening. Uh, Right now, I'm going to dispense. I normally do my announcements, but I'm going to dispense from that if I have time. I will do them a little later on uh, before the broadcast is over. But I just wanted to share. I have a little something that I want to share before I actually get into uh, the actual teaching for this evening on the seven motivational gifts. Uh, The Discovering You uh, series We have heard a lot of talk uh, The last few days On uh, Jesus supposedly coming back On yesterday And as we know uh, he did not But I wanted to just share some things With you for those of you that uh, might have been caught up in that particular uh, thing that the gentleman was talking about. Uh, the rapture is a true thing. Yes, it is. And it is something that is going to take place. But I do want to share some scriptures with you so that if someone else should ever come before you and saying things that it's going to happen tomorrow, it's going to happen today, it's going to happen next week, I just want to share some scriptures with you so that you will be fully prepared, so that you will not be uh, fooled by the enemy. There are so many false prophets out there, and there are even those who are calling themselves Jesus. They're actually saying that they are Jesus himself, and they've come down from heaven with a special message. Uh, It speaks about this uh, a lot in the uh, book of Matthew. I believe it's Matthew 24 and I'm going to ask you to uh I do have a teaching on the rapture uh in my um my my in on demand um uh, messages so I going to ask you to go and listen to that teaching uh, on the rapture and it might be able to explain a little bit better about uh the things that um uh, are actually supposed to take place one of the things that they did say was that the rapture Was going to come at a certain time And on a certain day And on a certain year But in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 It does say And I'm reading from the King James Version But of that day And hour Knoweth no man No not the angels of heaven But my father Only The time that Jesus is supposed to come back only the Father God knows. There are no hidden secrets, there are no special messengers that God has given this to ahead of time. The scripture says, But of that day and hour no man uh of that day and, and hour knoweth no man, no not the angels of heaven, but only my father, and that is Jesus speaking. So Jesus himself does not know when God says, return back and get my children. Uh, Then there was talk about uh, after the rapture hit, there would be a great um, earthquake. And then it said that uh, after that would be five months of devastating things that would take place. Well, in the scripture, it does teach us that, after the rapture, then the Antichrist will be revealed, and then, after that time, then will be seven years of great tribulation. You'll find all this in the book of- math, uh, in the book of uh Revelations, where it talks about the seven years of great tribulation, when the Antichrist will be revealed um it will also um after the Great Tribulation there will be um that's when Jesus will return in the rapture nobody's gonna see Christ. He's going to just come and I'm going to read that scripture. That's in First Thessalonians chapter four verses sixteen through eighteen. Um again I am reading the King James Version. First uh, Thessalonians four and verse sixteen says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. That's the noise that the children of God, the saints of God, those who are ready to go back and meet the Lord. That will be the noise, that will be the sound that will be heard calling up God's people Nobody's going to know When uh, when we leave here Until after we leave God's not putting on No big lightning show He's not going to cause All this great stuff to, to take place But it says For the Lord himself Shall descend from heaven With a shout With the voice of the archangel And with the trump of God And then the dead in Christ Shall rise first And then it says then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord comfort it says comfort wherefore comfort one another with these words when 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 we speak of the rapture it should be a time of comforting others to let us know that we're not long for this world that trouble isn't going to always last always some of us may leave here uh the the normal way through death a lot of us are going to leave here uh through the rapture it's coming a lot sooner than we think but we don't know again i repeat we don't know the day nor the hour nor the time nor the year and then it says in, uh, uh, I believe it's First Thessalonians 5 and 2, it says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. When Jesus comes, he's going to come as a thief. No one ever knows when the thief is coming. No one ever knows... Uh, when somebody's going to try to rob you or somebody's going to try to break into your home. You don't know those things. It just, um, all of a sudden, you're laying there peacefully, and then boom, there's a robber there or a thief there. You come home, a thief has been in your house, whatever it may be, but you don't know that the thief is coming. That's why we as Christians should... Uh, Make sure that we're living a godly lifestyle A God, I'm sorry, a God-called life A life that is pleasing unto God And what we need to do is we need to pray Those of us that are truly born again Those of us that know the Lord Those of us that know uh, how to rightly divide the word of truth Those of us that aren't caught up into Cults and different types of, of of teachings that don't coincide with the word of God But for those that really know how to pray An a effectual, fervent prayer The scripture says, of a righteous man availeth much You need to pray for the people that were uh, I would use the word duped Or the people that were deceived We need to pray for them Because many of these people trusted in this and many of these people lost their homes. They lost their children's college education. They gave up their jobs. In some kind of way, the devil is going to try to explain this out or try to say, well, you know, I got my signs mixed up or, you know, I didn't follow the formula correctly or, you know, I, there was a I there instead of, I mean, a dot there or a period there instead of a comma. You know, they're going to try to explain it. But The enemy is a liar The devil is a liar And he's going to do whatever he can To disprove um, the rapture He's going to do whatever he can To make fun of the rapture To make all of us who believe in the rapture To um, uh, look like uh, we're doting idiots That we're stupid That we're believing in a fairy tale That's the work of the enemy He is a deceiver And he is a liar But you need to know the truth And I have read to you those scriptures But of that day and hour Knoweth no man no not the angels of heaven But my father only Matthew 24 and 36 That comes straight from the mouth Of Jesus Christ if you have a King James Version and all of the sayings of Christ are in red, you pretty much are gonna see this in in red because Jesus is speaking this. so no, if you know someone that was caught up in that, just gently pray them through. just gently uh help them to see it in the right way. Don't allow them not to believe because the rapture is truly. So we want people to believe in what God is going to do. But the enemy is going to use every excuse. Uh, People had rapture parties, you know, making fun of it. Well, if it's my last day, I'm going to go out dancing. I'm going to go out uh, partying. I'm going to go out drinking. I'm going to go out, I'm going to lose my virginity. Whatever. It gave people an excuse. To do some of the things that they've always wanted to do But they were afraid to do So they did it on yesterday Or the day before yesterday So pray for the people who were do. Pray for the people who were deceived And even if they still follow along In this gentleman's teachings Pray for them that the real truth Will penetrate their hearts And penetrate their minds And penetrate their spirits Hallelujah I just felt like I needed to share A little bit on that tonight Say a little something on that Because eschatology is one of my favorite subjects I love learning and teaching about the uh, the end times And as I've shared with you earlier I do have a teaching coming out I thought I would have it out a little bit earlier But there's so much research And so many things that I want to Share about eschatology So I want what I share with you To be what thus saith the Lord That it does not be something That is deceitful Or undermining the word of God But I want it to be simple And something easy that you can understand These are the do's and don'ts This is what you need to know If you are saved and you're born again And you love the Lord You're not going to be here But maybe you can leave some literature or, Or leave something Help somebody Uh, That Who you've been trying to get saved And they won't get saved But they get left behind And you can leave something for them And saying this is a uh, tribulation package Now you need to know what to do Now that the Holy Spirit has been taken from uh, the world And so I just wanted to share that with you I I pray that none of you that are my normal listeners Were affected by that But if you were I pray you can uh email me at a word from God three at AOL dot com. Email me at a word from God three at AOL dot com. And uh if you want to talk about this, um about the, the rapture the end times, I would be more than happy to uh talk with you by telephone and just share with you what I know. Uh, that the scripture teaches, so that you won't walk away confused that you walk away uh that you would even walk away from God, so if anyone out there that is listening has any questions, please email me, and if I don't know the answer, I will get it from somebody that I know who has the answer. I will find it in the scripture for you the best that I can, because anything that I share with you, I want it to come straight. Out of the Word of God, so that there would be no confusion on what you're being uh, what 's being said to you, so I pray that that helps some of you. I pray that it will help you maybe with some of your family members because this type of thing can cause people to turn away from God, and that 's not something that we want to happen and I just thank and praise God for those of you that are my listeners and for all of you who have um, Uh, are now following me. I really appreciate you, some of the other ministries and other people who are on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for following me. And in return, I have uh, started following you. Uh, It is always an honor to get new uh, followers added uh, to Blog Talk Radio. It's always an honor to get uh, new friends uh, added uh, to my friendship list. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you. I love you. And if ever anything I can do, uh, please call me or email me at once again at a word from God three at a o l dot com. Also, we have a blog out now, which is a uh a word from God one dot blogspot dot com. That's a word from God one dot blogspot dot com. I haven't done a, a lot of things on the blog but I am starting to uh get myself more motivated to uh do some more uh, put some more uh teachings and things of that nature on the blog itself. So tonight we are going to um continue on with our series. This is going to be the closing out of our series called um the seven motivational gifts the discovering you series and as we have learned uh that there are seven motivational gifts that there are nine gifts of the spirit which are given by the holy spirit uh we we've learned that there are five uh ministry gifts which are given by Christ and then we have the seven motivational gifts which are given by the father uh, those nine gifts of the spirit, uh, these are found in 1 Corinthians 12:8 and 10. Uh, the power gifts are the gifts that do something. That is the gift of faith, the, gifts of, the gift of healings, and the working of miracles. The utterance gifts, these are the gifts that say something. These are the gifts of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Uh, the revelation gifts. These are the gifts that reveal something. They are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Uh and um as I said earlier, these are the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to show the power and the majesty and, and the and the awesomeness of who God is. And then the fivefold ministry gifts, these are the gifts that are given by Jesus Himself. These are the gifts that help to equip the saints and to train the saints, which are the body of Christ. This is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And these are found in Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven through twelve. And then we have the seven motivational gifts, which is what we are speaking on for the, which we have. Uh, this is what we've been teaching about for the last. Uh, Weeks I believe it is because this is Part four um, These are the gifts that are Given to us at birth And these are the gifts that make us Who we are naturally These aren't just our talents These aren't like talents And and you know those of us that can, Those that can sew Or those that are good entrepreneurs uh, Having them, these gifts In your life make you uh, Make up some of your Talents but these are your natural abilities of who you really, really are. Um, these gifts are found in Romans chapter twelve verses six through eight, and those seven gifts we've studied so far, the prophecy or perceiver they discern the inner heart or and thoughts of people. they represent the eyes of the body. the teaching gift that keep the revelation of the truth of God's word, meaning they keep us on track in the word of God. They are the mind of the body. Uh, the gift of serving or the ministry of help. Uh, these are the people that do all of the different type of service work in your church or in your on your committee or in, on, in your conference or on your job. These are the behind-the-scenes people. These are the people that really... Get things done These are your 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 people that uh, you want to uh, uh, assign a certain task to These are the people that you want to uh, uh, deal with uh, They are the uh, hands of the body Then you have the exhorters We spoke about them last week They stimulate faith and they edify the body of Christ They are the encouragers They are the mouth of the body And then you have the givers They supernaturally have the ability to make money For financing the kingdom of God They are the the arms and the legs of the body And tonight we're going to talk about the uh, rulers Or the administrator or organizer They rule and or take charge over They are the head and the shoulder of the body and then uh, uh, last but not least, we will be dealing with my number one gift, which is called Mercy and Compassion. They are the sympathizers, and they show mercy to the body of Christ or to anyone. They're good to, uh, for your nursing home ministries, your hospital ministries, to put them on your um, hospitality uh, ministries, um, also They do well in your uh, ministries uh, for those who have lost loved ones Um, They're just people with a heart They love on people And so these people are are who you call They're called the heart of the body So after this song, the selection uh, We're going to go into our series called uh, The Discovering You series. I will. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're going to get into the word of God and uh finish out the last of our teachings on the Discovering You series. And this is motivational number six and seven that we are doing on this evening. The motivational gift of organizing, administration, or ruling. But we're going to call it uh the administration or organizational gift. Ruling is the Greek word i pros- I'm sorry, I can't really pronounce this, but prosus minos. Process minos. This means the one who stands in front of in front of others to set over to rule to set over and or to rule. The gift of organizing is the, is the maintenance department of the church Rulers help the body define and carry out its goals It provides leadership, support, and sees that effective needs are met by the whole body uh, In your everyday work, in your church, some of these people would be managers they would be pastors, they would be bishops, they would be department heads, they would be ministry heads uh they might would even be like in a church administrative assistant. These are people that can get things done, but not only do they get things done, they also know how to delegate, how to delegate uh to get other people to do certain things also through their talents. They help things to run smoothly and efficiently. They lead by working through or by leading others. Now, some of the characteristics of the motivational gift of organization are these. Number one, the ability to see the overall picture and to clarify long-range goals. Now, they have this ability in order to keep the vision before the people. The organizer must be able to see the end from the beginning. When enthusiasm sags, the organizer can renew the vision. They have a a knack and an ability to know how to tweak it, maybe change a little something to bring it uh, quicker to pass, or just change it just a little bit uh just so that it will help um to get the get good what they're trying to do off of the ground. number two, the organizer has the ability to organize that which he is responsible for a task unattended unattended results in chaos. What happens is the ruler brings order out of chaos through his ability to organize and sets the wheels of progress in motion. Also, um, up under number two, he is not a procrastinator. He doesn't put things off. He has or she has a desire to complete tasks as quickly as possible. They have an awareness of the resources available to complete a task. Um, They know what is at their disposal to complete the task at hand. The resources at their disposal are time, money, and manpower. Actually, this is number three, so let me go over that one again. Um, They have an awareness of the resources available to complete a task. He knows what is at his disposal to complete the task at hand. Uh, The resources at his disposal are time, money, and manpower. Number four, he has an ability to know what can and what cannot be delegated. This is a spiritual insight that an organizer or an administrator has uh the ruling the the organizing motivational gift must know which task he or she alone must perform and which tasks he or she may delegate to others. The more he can delegate, the more he can concern himself with the responsibilities of ruling. That's why in certain corporations and even in our churches you have the the CEO or the pastor or the bishop uh, uh of a church or a CEO of a um of a corporation and then you may have like an administrative assistant up under both of these or you may have uh, uh, uh like a general overseer up under the corporate person And then you have your department heads, and in having your department heads, then your department heads have people that work up under uh, them. Now, each of the ones that I named previously, the pastor or the CEO, the administrative assistant or the general overseer, the department heads, these are all managers, but each one still answers to the one big guy, which would be, the CEO of the corporation, or the pastor or bishop over that church. And then that person has what they're supposed to do. They they have certain tasks and things that they're supposed to do. So they delegate it to the, um, uh, the overseer or they delegate it to the administrative assistant. And then he or she in return goes to each of the department heads and there's a certain thing that they're supposed to do, uh, and then they find other uh, people who, like the servers, who will work up under them to get the full task completed. And if everybody is doing his or her job, there are never any hurt feelings because the head person has delegated everything that needs to be done so that each task will be done By the right person Um, Number five The uh, organizational person has a tendency to stand on the sideline Until those in charge turn over the responsibility to them An organizer or an administrative person He or she is anything but a glory grabber the last thing that the administrator or the um, uh, organizer uh, motivational gift will do is intentionally step on someone's toes to secure a position of leadership. His entire life is a position of leadership. He's always done leadership things, even from the time when he was a child, uh, organizing little Games or organizing things that he and his friends or she and her friends could do They've been leaders all the time Uh, They need no leadership Bible for their crown of glory They know who they are Uh, They're happy in their job Other people like being around them And in most cases other people will do uh, for them what they ask because of the, of how they ask and they ask in, in in a in an authoritative way, not in a mean way, but just in a way where it sounds like this is a man or this is a woman of an of authority because they pretty much know what they're talking about. Now once the organizer or the administrator has been given a clear position of authority, um he or she will begin the task assigned to them um let's see okay i make sure I don't have my uh my paperwork wrong here okay um that was number five this is um Number six, I'm sorry, this is number five. He has a tendency to assume responsibility if no structured leadership exists. They have a tendency to to assume responsibility if no structured leadership exists. If they see that there's no leadership in in a committee, they'll just stand up and immediately start doing things. Start uh, saying you know I know that you're good at this Could you do that I know that you're good in this particular field Can you do that They just kind of begin to take charge Because they see that there's nobody there In charge So they immediately begin to do What their gift tells them to do And that is to take charge Of uh, leadership Uh, He or she knows That nearly every situation In life Requires some type of leadership. Both his spirituality and personality make him a very likely candidate to step in where no formal leadership exists. Uh, Number six, a willingness to endure reactions from workers in order to accomplish the ultimate task. Number six, they have a willingness to endure. Reaction from workers in order to accomplish the ultimate task uh, The organizer, the administrator He or she is not concerned about what people may think about them Good or bad Their aim is to guide the people through the uh, required steps To the successful complete completion of the task And number seven there is a fulfillment in seeing all the pieces coming together and others enjoying the finished product. The organizer is always working towards the goal. Let me read that again. There is a fulfillment in seeking all the pieces in seeing i'm sorry in seeing all the pieces coming together and others enjoying the finished product. The organizer is always working towards the goal. Their greatest satisfaction is not in the job itself, like the server, but in the completion of the task. Their reward is not in the praises of men, but in the completion of a job well done. They have a desire to move on to new tasks when one task has been completed. They are not ones to sit on their laurel on their laurels. Once a task has been com- been completed, they will become bored and possibly irritable if they are not given a new task to accomplish. These are the people. that are kind of antsy, you know. They 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 always like being busy. They like working. They like uh, challenges. They like goals. You put a goal before them, they they go for it. They do it just like that. Um, They're they're very goal oriented They want to do it It's not so much that They want to do it fast per se But they want to do it So that they can get that particular task completed They don't like to have to keep going back And repeating the same old task They want to get the task done So that they can move on To the next thing That they have to move on to Now, misunderstandings of the motivational gift of an an organizer or an administrator. Number one, the ability to delegate responsibility may appear as laziness. The ruler is far from lazy, but his readiness to delegate tasks to others may be misinterpreted, especially by those to whom he has delegated a task Remember He needs time and space To oversee The entire project Number two The willingness to endure re- Their willingness to endure Reaction may appear As callousness uh, They have an ability to stand up To critical anger uh, That may give the impression That he is cold And unfeeling This could not be further from the truth They reckon the project to be greater than the individual involved Especially uh, himself They they don't mind if people say this and that about them Because they're not motivated by what people say They're not motivated by what people think They aren't emotional type people They're movers, they're shakers and uh, even though you know they 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 want to get a task done, to some people it may seem like all they care about is the task and not the individuals. But that's their makeup, that's their DNA, that's who they are. It's not that they're uh, that they don't care about others, they don't care about people, but their mind is so focused on the task, and uh, and that's all that they see at that point and at that time. Number three, the neglect in explaining why the task must be done may may prompt workers to feel like they are being misused. Sometimes because they're busy people, they don't always have the time to sit down and talk to uh, uh, the people that are working with them because there's so much to be done. And so they may go up and say, well, you know, I need you to answer this question and he said, "Well, I don't have time to answer now. You need to get back to work." Um, some people will take that. Well, you know, you're just using me. You're not. Uh, uh, you don't care about me or care about my family. You don't even take time enough to stop and care about my questions. But you can rest assured that whenever there is a uh, an organizer or an administrator, they have somebody who they are always in contact with. And you can go to that person and get whatever questions you need answered. Uh, Trying to get a question answered from an organizer or an an administrative type person is going to be really hard because they're too busy. Uh, They've got not just you, but they have other people who they're dealing with, and that's why they have the department heads or the administrative assistants up under them so these people can answer your questions. Because the head person has to make sure that everything is running smoothly because if he doesn't if it does not work, it's all not gonna fall on you or fall on me, but it's gonna fall on them because they headed the project. Viewing people as resources may give the impression that projects are more are more important than people. Um This is quite the contrary The project is for someone It's for God Or it's for uh, a corporation And the people are employed For the good of others The people are employed to work To train And or to build Uh, The organizers are working For uh, God's glory And what that means is They're working to build up The kingdom of God or they're working to uh, build up the reputation of their corporation. Uh, Number four, the desire to complete tasks swiftly may appear to be insensitive to the schedules or priorities of others. This concern is nearly always secondary to the task over which he has uh, responsibility. Sorry, we're having a little storm here in uh, Dallas, Uh, and let's go on. It says, um, let me read that one again. It says, the desire to complete tasks swiftly may appear to be insensitive to the schedules or priorities of others. This concern is nearly always secondary to the task over which he has responsibility to the ruler, to the organizer, to the administrator, it's all about getting the job done. And then we have some childhood characteristics of individuals with the motivational gift of a ruling or organization or administrator. And you some of your children uh may have this gift, and so you need to look at them closely uh sometimes if they uh have this leadership ability you don't want you want to make sure that they don't turn into bullies so you want to train them properly that they uh do this uh you know everything that they do that they're being trained in the way of the lord to uh take this gift and use it in the proper way some girls in school they call them the mean girls they can take this in a different way because all the girls like her, and so they all roam around her and whatever she says they do, but she can take it to a point where she can lead them or the boy can lead them in bullish ways to do things to hurt other people. So if you see this ability in your children, you want to train them properly. And these are some of the characteristics of individuals with the motivational gift of organization. Um, they will take control of games. Uh, they uh, they like to establish rules. They like making teams. They remind everyone involved of the purpose of the game or task. They work well by themselves. They're highly goal-oriented. Uh, they can be distressed at delays or setbacks. And they're well-liked by others and they're looked up to, and they are respected by others. So that is uh, the teaching on those of you that have an organizational gift or administrative-type gift. You're you're a leader. You might be a manager. You might be a store manager. Uh, You might be a general manager. Uh, You might own your own company. And uh, you might deal with employees, so uh dealing with employees is not always where you're putting people down that you're talking down to them because if you want a great workforce, you treat people the way you would want to be treated you can there's an old saying you can get more flies uh with honey than with vinegar. if you treat people right. And if you uh, ad, uh, admonish them and if you if you uh, uh, encourage them, if you sometimes lift them up, pat them on the back and tell them they're doing a good job, call them by their name. Sometimes uh, do something a little special for them. Give them a bonus. Give them uh, something extra in their paycheck. Uh, 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 give them a gift card so that they can take their family or their wife or their husband out to dinner or whatever. Uh, When you treat people as a leader, when you treat people in a certain way, you're going to not only get more respect, but you're going to be able, these people are going to work for you, and they're going to do everything that they can for you because of how you treat them. But If you're always threatening people, telling them you can take their job, uh, there might be something wrong with you in, in your role of leadership. You have a leadership role uh, maybe uh when you were a kid, maybe people didn't like you, maybe people did mistreat you, but now you have this uh type of job where you can boss people around, uh, you will do a lot better if you will treat people uh in, in the right kind of way. Treat them as you would have them uh to treat you. Okay. Now our next gift and our last gift Is uh, the motivational gift of mercy And as I said this is a gift that I know a lot about Because this is my main gift And mercy is the Greek word elios, Which means to have pity on Or to show mercy The word assumes need The word assumes need on the part of the one who receives it, uh, meaning that uh, there's somebody maybe needs a little mercy, maybe they need love, maybe they need compassion. So this word uh, assumes the need. It takes care of the need uh, on the part of the one who receives it. The scripture says God is rich in mercy towards all men, Jews and Gentiles. Mercy is more than not giving people what they deserve. It is giving them what they do not deserve. You cannot earn mercy. Uh, Luke 1 and verse 50 says he is merciful to those who fear him. The Bible says that those who are encumbered with an infirmity, he comes to secure them, means to bring aid to bring relief, to bring help. That's what mercy people do. They bring aid. They bring uh, uh, relief. They bring help. They're listeners. They're people that really try, not so much that they try, but they can actually look inside your spirit, and they can tell those that are hurting, those that are in pain, those that really need someone to just wrap their arms around them and love them. Uh, a mercy person can see that. The difference between mercy and grace is this. Grace is God's willingness to use his ability on our behalf, even though we do not deserve it. Mercy is God's unwillingness to give us what we Deserve. Grace allows us to come boldly to the throne and ask for mercy for all the results of our sins Galatians chapter 6 and verse 16 says we are not only I'm sorry uh, Galatians six sixteen says we are not only to be asking for mercy for ourselves But we should also ask for mercy for others Jesus Christ himself is merciful. When God brings his salvation to Israel at the coming of Christ, his people will obtain mercy. The coming of Jesus is God's mercy. Mercy mercy you do not have peace without first obtaining mercy. Mercy is the act of God's mercy is the act of God. Peace is the resulting experience in the heart of man. After grace, you can obtain mercy. God extends grace, then he extends mercy. Peace results automatically. Hallelujah. God was merciful even in the Old Testament. He had a mercy seat. It was the lid of covering of the Ark of the covenant. The high priest would enter in once each year and sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat and upon the ground before it. The words spoke at the time of the sprinkling were, "God will have mercy on us because of the blood of the lamb we killed out there." And I'm sorry, let me read this again. The words spoke at the time. The words spoke at the time of the sprinkling were. God will have mercy on us because of the blood of the lamb we killed out there and the shedding of its blood. God said he would talk to us from above the mercy seat because of the shedding of Jesus' blood. First Chronicles 20 and 11 says, The Holy of Holies is called the house of the mercy seat. Jesus' mercy because he shed his blood, people with the motivational gift of mercy or compassion, they extend mercy to those needing it and encourage others to do the same. The characteristics of the motivational gift of mercy is are as follows: uh, The mercy person has the ability to feel an atmosphere of joy or distress with individuals or groups. And me being a mercy person, uh, sometimes in a, if I'm in church or, or when I was working or or just on an everyday level, I might even be talking to someone on the phone, and I can just sense their spirit, and I can hear something in their voice, some pain, some hurt, some distress. I can I can feel it. As well as I can feel their joy But I'm I'm tuned in Or I try to be tuned in to the spirit So that I can know When someone needs a word of comfort When someone needs a word of compassion When someone needs a word of mercy Or needs a word of love uh, A mercy person's spirit Is sensitive to the feelings and needs of others Because the Holy Spirit Spirit is at work in them They sense what's going on In an individual or group Number t- number two An attraction and an understanding Of people who are in distress A lot of times um, in, in any church that I've ever been in It's like the Lord always allows me Or he always uh, has me to zero in on the people in the church Who others overlook Or who others don't pay much attention to Or who others just don't see It's not that they're being mean It's not that they're being ugly They they just They're walking in their gift And I'm walking in mine And I begin to see these people And sometimes it's just a, a handshake Sometimes it's just a hug I'm a hugger So I like to hug people so it's sometimes it's just a hug, just a uh I'll always try to find a word of comfort to give somebody. Or I'll find something from my retail background. I'll find something on her and I say, Oh, you look so pretty in pink and 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 uh you know, maybe she didn't like the pink outfit she had on, but once I've told her that she looks pretty in pink, a smile comes up on her face. Or I'll tell her, oh, you're just gorgeous. You're a beautiful woman of God. Or you're a handsome young man. And people, sometimes that's all they need. Sometimes they just need somebody to make them feel good about themselves. So if you're a compassion person and you're moved by compassion, you're moved by mercy, you're moved by love, find something on somebody. Just look at them. You know, compliment their hair. Compliment their shoes. Whatever you can find Or just if the Lord gives you a word for them Or you can just walk up to them and say You know, sweetheart, I I was just looking at you And I just want you to know God loves you so much That's not a lie because God does love He loves all of his children But sometimes God will just see things God will allow us to see things in others To bring about a smile Or just to bring about some peace Sometimes just to hug somebody Sometimes just to call somebody. Sometimes maybe take them to dinner. Sometimes maybe it's making them a cake or making them a pie. Just something to bring a little comfort, a little love, a little compassion uh, in their life. Um, I'm still on number two. It says an attraction to and an understanding of people who are in distress. Uh, People who are motivated by mercy – they are supernaturally drawn to those who need mercy in its varying forms. There's so many different ways you could be merciful and loving and compassionate to people. For this reason, um a person that's motivated by mercy must remain sensitive and obedient to the current movement of the Holy Spirit. You're always praying because you want to make sure you do and say the right Thing to this person Because they're already in pain They're already hurting And like I said Sometimes you don't have to say anything Sometimes it's just a love uh, It's just a hug Or just to take their hand And just look them in their eyes And say you know you are so loved God loves you so much You know what Let me get your phone number I want to call you And just talk to you Here's my phone number Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody Just give me a call You know And you just got to stay sensitive Do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do uh, for this person. Uh, Number three, a desire to remove hurts and bring healing to others. A compassionate person knows that God is both willing and able to heal the present distress. Compassionate people are eager to bring the person in touch with the healer. So many times uh, when I know that someone is emotionally hurt or, you know, in in, in emotional pain, it's my time to just minister to them. First of all, just listening to what they have to say. And then uh, sharing, if you have a story, or just sharing uh, the uh, the goodness of God with them, letting them know, you know, you're not alone. Uh, There are others out there. You know, I, I've gone through some things myself, you know, and God saw me through. Sometimes you just got to be willing to sit down and just spend time with people. But that's not a leader's position. That's not a perceiver's uh, 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 gift. That's not a service gift. But a mercy person are those that will take and they will listen to you from sunup to sun down because that's what God has placed them for. They want to make sure that you are totally and thoroughly healed and walking away whole before they let you go. Uh, a greater concern for mental distress. Uh, they have a greater they have a greater discern concern for mental distress. The physical distress. Though not insensitive to the physical need of people, the mercy person's uh, motivation is primarily concerned with the spiritual and the emotional condition of a um of an uh, of an individual now, an exhorter if you happen to be an exhorter and a mercy person, I mean wow what a twofold blessing that is to to be a mercy person. And be an exhorter to encourage and share and tell them how to uh, uh, get to where they need But if you're just a mercy person um, You can share scriptures But it's basically all about showing love It's basically all about the touch It's basically all about just sitting and listening to an individual Number four An avoidance of firmness unless he sees how it will bring benefits. Firmness is not part of the mercy motivational person's basic personality or spiritual makeup. We're not mean people. And uh, we're not super firm. We can be firm if we see a, a, a need, if we see how, Firmness is going to benefit this person But this person we see a lot of times We see the hurt So first of all we're trying to remove the hurt We're trying to remove the pain And then if we have to get a little firm At the end We will with no problems And the person will take that firmness And they'll take it in love They don't take the firmness uh, From a compassion person Like they take it from a perceiver person because a perceiver person's firmness is harsh and it's hard and it could hurt them even more. But a person can take the firmness of a mercy person. Number five, a sensitivity to words and actions which will hurt other people. If the mercy person can help to avert a potentially damaging encounter, he will do everything in his power to that end. Uh, mercy people are attentive both to words and to the mood associated with them. We, we're we very careful in using our words because the uh, the person, as I said earlier, are already hurt and we don't want to add more pain where a perceiver will say, get over it. And that is probably true. Get over it. But a mercy person, first of all, wants to take, uh, uh, walk them through the hurt and through the pain so that once they are walked through that hurt and their pain, they don't have anything holding them back from being able to get over it. Because for sometimes some people have to talk about what they're going through, they have to share. You know, the hurt, the hurt is so deep, the hurt is so, it, 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 it it's so embedded deep down in the inside, the pain is so strong, and for someone to walk up and say, get over it, you know, so what, your marriage is over it, move on, but you're not feeling, you know, that person says, uh, so what, move on, they're not feeling, maybe they haven't gone through a marital problem, or maybe they haven't gone through a divorce, or Maybe they haven't lost a child or whatever. So a mercy person is there to help them through this, to walk them through it, to help them talk through it. And once they talk them through it, you know, then now we can pray, now, Lord, help them to be able to move on in life. And then from that point on, then you can begin to be a little more firm and say, okay, you know, we've walked through this, we've talked about it, we've prayed about it, now it's time to really let this go, and now it's time to move on. And so there are different ways that each person's gift can help. But if you're a perceiver, you're not the one to talk to someone in pain. That's when you would find a person that has the motivational gift of mercy. For someone who, uh, I don't care, you know, you have talked to them and talked to them and talked to them and talked to them and talked to them till you're blue, green, yellow, polka dotty in the face, you know, uh, and all they want to do is continue to cry. It's been 12 months. Then you go get a perceiver who will tell them, you know what, this is it. You need to get over it. And let them talk to them so that they can get out of that. And they can move on and you can move on to the next person that you need to deal with. Uh, Let's see here. Number six, an ability to discern sincere motives in other people. He is able by the Spirit of God to discern when people are being genuine or when people are being false. This is one area where we are likely to see a, a, a mercy-motivated person being firm. And that's one thing about a mercy person. We can tell when somebody is genuine, and we can tell when somebody is false. Uh, it's it's just something that God shows some people. Sometimes all oh, they're looking for is somebody to dump on. But you can tell when a person is very, very genuine. And then you can tell when a person is not being uh uh true to what they are saying. Because people who are not genuine and people who are uh being false, they are just looking for somewhere to dump their problems. They don't want they don't want to change, they don't want to hear, they just want somewhere to dump their problems to the next time they need to be able to dump their problems again. I had someone in my life, uh a person that I know and uh, she told me one time every day she she would just dump on me and dump on me and dump on me. Oh, I'll just, um, just go and talk to Becky, you know. I can talk to her and leave it there and then I'll be all right. She would dump on me and dump on me and dump on me. And then she would say, whew, now that I've told you, I feel better, you know. And I'm like, now you've put all this mess on me. Now I've got to go and pray and get this off. Where if you're really dealing with someone that genuinely has a problem, you don't have that feeling afterwards. But if it's someone that's not genuine, if it's someone that's false, you begin to feel all of that stuff, and you need to get that stuff off of you so that you can minister truly to the right uh, person who really, really does have a, a serious need. So... um a a um a, a um a compassion person or a mercy person will demonstrate firmness in order to get an individual to stop being insincere and to be more honest uh number seven an enjoyment and unity with those who are sensitive to the needs and feelings of others We find people with like passions such as ourselves. Uh we like being around other um, mercy people, other compassionate people uh those um who have the motivation to get the mercy we're very tuned in to those who share in this sensitive nature. A mercy motivated person tends to migrate to another uh, mercy motivated person. number eight, a closing of their of a, of their spirit to those who are insensitive uh, And basically we kind of close down On those who have a perceiver's uh, gift Or to people who are insincere um, Because our gifts are so opposite But we're both motivated by the Holy Spirit In what we do in general, the mercy motivated motivated person will avoid the blunt prophecy motivational person. So you know, we we feel like, oh, you're so cold. Uh, we feel like they're so callous. You know, uh, ease up on him. You know, ease up on her. They've all they've been through so much, and then we'll kind of go behind and try to soothe the 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 hurt or the pain. But, in some cases, that might be good for the person they may need that, so we need to know when to move and when not to move uh we also are insensitive uh to brute uh behavior uh each motivated gift has its place in operation in the body of Christ, so each motivated gift each each person that has a gift, if you know. Uh, pretty much most of the people's gifts that you hang around uh, You know who um, Let's say you have a prayer uh, group Or a Bible study group You will know who to send people to To talk to Maybe they need a motivated person uh, uh, Maybe they need a perceiver type person Maybe they need a um, a uh, mercy person Maybe they need an encourager You know You got to know who to give People too, so you don't give them to the wrong person and it wounds them even more than what they are already wounded. Um, next, we're going to talk about the misunderstandings of the motiv- motivational gift of mercy. The avoidance of firmness may be viewed as weakness and indecisiveness. Many people, especially those uh, motivated by uh, prophecy, uh, they will come to a place of firmness long before the mercy person does. This is not a weakness on a mercy person's part, but this is our strength. Our strength is love, compassion, and mercy. Um, the the perceiver person, their gift is more of a harshness, uh, a tough, you know, a tough love type person. We're the uh, we're the easier, easy going people because you are motivated by mercy. Does not mean that you're weak. Uh, some people have took my meekness for weakness, thinking that uh, they could say anything or do anything or so on and so forth. But just because I'm a merciful person and I'm a loving person and I forgive very very easy, but you know there's going to come a point in our lives that you push us and we can speak our minds and we but we will speak it in love but we will speak our minds to the point that no I'm not weak no I'm not a pushover you know I'm just a person that shows mercy and I show love it's not that we're indecisive you know I make decisions very very well but you know we still we we take our time about things we We move in our own time. We move in how the Holy Spirit tells us to move. The sensitivity to the spirit and feelings of others may cause some to feel that the motivated person by uh, mercy is, is guided by emotions rather than by the spirit of God. It is true that we often criticize that which we do not understand. This is especially true of people with the motivational gift of mercy and prophecy. Both of these gifts are guided by God's spirit, not by emotion. It appears to us as though they are guided by emotions because in order for us to act in such a manner, we would have to be guided by emotions. Sometimes people do think that those of us who have a perceiver gift, of which I do, that's my second gift, uh, that we're motivated by our emotions, but we're not. We see a need. And we try to help. As a perceiver, you know, I'm I'm concerned about people's salvation. I'm concerned about people uh, knowing the Lord. That was why I shared a little bit earlier about uh, the thing about yesterday about Jesus supposedly coming on yesterday, um, because I care about people, and I I don't know everybody out there who who w- was affected by this, but I felt there's Spirit And the Holy Spirit led me to say what I said earlier about the rapture Because I don't want to see people turn away from God Because of the ignorance and the stupidity of one who is leading people astray So we don't move by our emotions But we move by what the Spirit of God tells us And if others aren't totally motivated or moved by the you don't have to necessarily be moved by the Spirit to be an encourager You don't necessarily have to be moved by the Spirit to be a server or a giver I mean, you you can be moved by the Holy Spirit to do such things But we who are perceivers and we who are mercy people we are totally, Our gift is totally motivated by the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives And He tells us what to do, when to do, and how to do it Number two, the attraction and understanding of those in distress will be misinterpreted by those of the opposite sex. Uh, Because we are merciful, compassionate people, we are drawn to whoever is hurt. Uh, I'm a female, but sometimes the spirit of the Lord, I may look out and I might see a brother hurting, but I have to be careful because someone can take that in the wrong way And so if you If you feel like the Lord is telling you Something to tell someone Then you take another brother With you or you take another female You take someone else with you When you're dealing with people Of the opposite sex For this reason um, And and this one here It says this is a very dangerous Position For this reason, it is best for mercy-motivated individuals not to minister alone. However, you will often find that God, in his divine foreknowledge, has a husband and wife team who are both mercy-motivated individuals. This will help keep all ministry contact in proper balance. So if you are a male and you're motivated by this mercy gift, you... Or if you if you feel led to speak to a woman, you speak with your wife and you take her with you. If you're a woman and you feel led to talk to a brother, you take your husband, another brother, the pastor, a sister, you take somebody else with you in these particular situations because it can take you down the wrong road. And so you want to be very, very careful about Uh, Dealing with people of the opposite sex Number three, sensitivity When a misunderstanding to words and actions Which cause hurt may appear to be Taking up another person's offense Nothing hurts like words Which are spoken in anger No wound takes so long to heal The mercy motive will be very sensitive to words and actions which could cause such hurt. Sometimes the person is not aware of the words or actions as is the motivated uh, mercy person. For this reason, it may appear that he or she is taking up the offense of another while in reality he is only being spiritually tuned in to the potential I'm sorry, let me read this again. For this reason, it may appear he or she is taking up the offense of another of another while in reality, he is only being spiritual spiritually tuned into the potential for damage by God's spirit. The ability to detect insincere motives may cause some people to feel that he is hard to get. To know With us we have To be very very Careful that we don't Take the offense Of someone else's Pain Because it sometimes um, We are so Sensitive we're so sensitive To the spirit we're not only sensitive To the spirit of the Lord but we're Sensitive to that person's Spirit and sometimes We can even you know if If we're dealing with another woman Like I deal with women a lot And maybe uh, Her husband left her Or her husband cheated Or something uh, went on In her life Where somebody seriously caused her pain It's easy for us To pick up on that offense And we have to be careful That we don't uh, Take that offense And allow ourselves To be in um Conflict with the person that's caused them pain We want to always make sure that we're prayed up That we don't allow uh, that person's uh, pain to affect us You know, where maybe um, I've been hurt by um, a a man or something like that And she's been hurt by a man And then all of a sudden we both find ourselves there uh, bashing men that's not what that session is for That's not what being a mercy person is for You can tell her, I understand your pain I understand what you're going through But you know what, keep your heart open Love will find you again, that kind of thing Because then, then you can start feeling that anger and that pain and that unforgiveness And you can cause your own uh, ministry and life and, and a lot of things in your life to be be hindered Because you're harboring something that wasn't even something for you to harbor You just took on someone else's offense And then the Bible also tells us about the Good Samaritan In in Luke 10 chapter 30 uh, I'm sorry, chapter 10 verse 30 and 35 Uh, The Good Samaritan is a type of the fall in Adam And the redemption in Jesus Christ in verse thirty, you can see the the thieves as representatives of the devil. Uh, the certain man uh, could be Adam. The raiment of the man was authority. Uh, him being half dead uh, meant he was spiritually dead. Adam listened to the devil. Um, uh, he committed treason against God and and lost his. His rights um, in in the Garden of Eden. Uh, We need to know that uh, religion cannot save you. The law cannot save you. Uh, the, The Samaritan is a representative of Jesus. The oil is a representative of the Holy Spirit. The wine is a representative of the blood of Jesus. The two pence, of course, was two days. Wages, So you can kind of see the mercy side You can see where the enemy came in And tried to destroy one uh, Adam But Jesus came in and changed everything around and, 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 and the Good Samaritan shows the spirit of mercy and love Which is what Jesus does Jesus comes in and he shows mercy and love and compassion and grace And all of those wonderful things uh, he gives to us Now some of the childhood characteristics Of individuals with the motivational Gift of mercy Uh, They are usually Quiet natured Uh, My mother always told me when I was a child I was very quiet natured They're easily upset by Loud noises or harsh commands They prefer quiet Surroundings They're lovable, cuddly And they smile a lot And um, I've often been told That I smile a lot, I have a Daughter that we both just smile all the Time Uh, they tend to be Close to mother and father I was very very close to my To my mother Uh, They tend to be daydreamers Uh, As a little girl I used to daydream All the time Uh, Difficult for them to communicate Can readily talk about Things but not about feelings They feel very Deeply at one time It was hard for me to talk about My feelings and and but once I received Christ, a lot of things changed in my life. But these are some things that you might see in your children that, um, uh, you might want to look and see. You know, that you may have a compassion child. I do have uh, one granddaughter that I know has a compassionate, uh, she's a compassionate person, and we call her the heart of the family. That's a little Tajay, but, um, They feel very deeply. They like fairy tales, uh, love stories, and animal stories. Boys are big on pets. Girls love dolls. Uh, They're unable to stand up for themselves even when in the right. They easily gravitate towards children whom others do not like. Uh, They're easy to correct but many times obey only because of fear of rejection They then have bitterness towards those who make them obey. And last but not least, they are followers and not leaders. So this is, uh, those are your motivational gifts. Um, That one, the last one we did was on mercy. So um, I hope that you learned some things through this particular series because there are uh, so many of you that need to know your gift, that need to know why you do the things that you do, need to know um, uh, who you are. Uh, so many people are, you know, when they leave home, i got to find myself, i got to find who I am. All you need to know about who you are is to know what gift God has given you at birth. You can go online and you can type in tests for motivational gifts, um Uh, Spiritual gift analysis You can type all of that in And they have tests there that you can take And you can actually discover What your motivational gifts are I would put in uh, the the seven motivational gift tests Or something But go online and find uh, the test that uh, you can take To find out what your motivational gift is Who you are Where you fit in in society And where you fit in in the church and you will find that your life will be a lot better when you know uh your rightful place in the body of Christ, your rightful place in society or, or in the corporate world, uh, whatever it might be. But find out what your motivational gifts are. Find out what your motivational gifts are with your children, uh with your spouse, uh, your mom, your dad. You can so easily get along better with people if you know what each person's motivation is Because sometimes a uh, husband and wife is into to fight But you're not like me You know, you're cold hearted and you're callous That might be because he is a perceiver It's not that he's cold hearted or callous He just doesn't see black He doesn't see white I mean, he's black is black, white is white There are no gray areas You know, they are no nonsense kind of people They're not, I mean, they like to play and joke but that's not their the uh, main thing that they do. Or well, mercy people, they say, well, you always every time I turn around, you're crying. You cry over a TV commercial, you cry over this, you know, uh, because you're sensitive. You you you're motivated by love. Certain things make you happy. You see a good story, a a life touching story on TV, or 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 something that just uh, just touches your heart, and you cry. You might see a reality show, someone loses weight. You know, they were big and really huge, and now they're down to 150 pounds from 450 pounds. And, I mean, and you just see it, and you're happy for them, and you cry. But now you know why. Because you're a person that's motivated by compassion. Every time I turn around, you're giving stuff away. Every time I turn around, you're you giving money to the church. Every time I turn around, you're giving money to the beggar on the street. That's because You're motivated. To give. You know, find out what your gift is Once you know what your gift is Once your spouse, your, 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 your children, your mom, your dad Whoever, once they know what your gift is Then it's going to make it a much easier life in your family Because everybody will know who they are And everybody will walk in their destiny Will walk in the gift that God has called them to walk in I have one other little thing here. It's called the dropped dessert. And it's a modern-day parable by David Wil- by Dave Wilkerson. And if someone drops a beautiful dessert on the way to the table, this is what each motivational gift would say. The profit gift would say, now remember, if someone has dropped a beautiful dessert on the way to the table, let's say it's a sweet potato pie or let's say it's a banana pudding or or some uh, ice cream or peach cobbler or beautiful cake. So this is what each motivational gift would say. We're going to start first with the prophet. The prophet would say, you're carrying it wrong. That's why you dropped it. The server would say, that's okay. I'll clean it up for you The teacher would say Let me tell you all about desserts desserts, And how they're made The exhorter would say You know what, you'll do, med- you'll do better next time When you serve it The organizer would say In order to clean up this mess You will need a broom and a sponge The giver would say I will see what else I can whip up for us. And the merciful person would say, boy, you must feel so bad right now. So those are your seven motivational gifts. And as I said, I hope you've enjoyed the teaching. I hope that it will help you in discovering who you are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to go and and enjoy another song, and then uh, we'll be coming back to you. The altar, Jesus is waiting for you The altar can be any place in your home It can be in your bedroom That might be a place where you go and just uh, find rest And you, you just go in there and you seek the Lord Or, you know, your altar can be anywhere in your home Just somewhere where you can just go and be close to God And I never, ever like to do any type of ministry without being able to let you know that God loves you. Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus wants you to be saved. He does not want you to live in this world and... uh, live in this world without him. And I'm not saying that when you receive Christ that it makes things a lot easier. It does make things easier because you have him. You'll still have certain problems and situations but you won't go through them by yourself. You will go through them with Jesus. But to live a life without Christ, uh, it's a life that has no real meaning You want to know what the meaning of life is The meaning of life is Christ Jesus Having the Lord in your life Loving you, guiding you, directing you Uh, God is a uh, sovereign God And he reigns on the just as well as the unjust God, uh, because we are his children He will discipline us He disciplines us through his word Not so much through actions and death and killing and and maiming and, and and diseases and that kind of things, as some people say. But God chastises us with his word. And I know that sometimes when I do wrong or I'm I'm walking in disobedience and I go to church and I'll hear a word about exactly what I'm doing, exactly what I'm going through, and the Holy Spirit will whip me right then and there in my chair as I'm listening to what uh, is being said. And it's, then it's up to me to make my choice to go forward and get it right with Christ. But God loves you right where you are, right where you stand, right in what you're doing. And don't ever let an opportunity go by when you hear someone saying that uh God wants to save you. Jesus wants you to ask him into your life. You need to turn your life over to God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care what you just got finished doing. Everything in the last two hours or last 15 minutes you could have done could be full of sin. But even right now where you stand, God is willing to forgive you of all of your sins. There's nothing that is too hard for God to handle. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can say. You can shake your fist in the sky and you could have told God 15, 30 minutes ago, I hate you, I hate you. But you know what? God still loves you. You should never blame God for actions that we've done. You know, we said, God, why did you let me do that? Because God has given us free will in our lives. We have a choice. We can either love him. And do for him Or we can go our own merry way And do our own thing Because we're not robots God gives us a choice And if you want the Lord in your life If you do want to know That you can go in the real rapture If you want to know that You know, Lord, I'm I'm tired of traveling down this road by myself Because it is a big family out there Some of you may say You know what, nobody loves me Nobody cares about me But somebody does care There are people that God wakes up In the middle of the night Sometimes throughout the day uh, God will stop people from doing what they're doing Because they're called prayer warriors They're called intercessors And God will have them to pray Just for you Now they don't know who you are And they're not uh, calling out your name But they're saying, Lord, there's someone out there lost, there's someone out there in pain, there's someone out there that needs you, there's somebody out there, Lord, that feels like nobody cares. Right at the moment that you are saying all of this to God, God is causing someone else to fall on their knees Somewhere they might be praying for you in Africa They might be praying for you in England They might be praying for you in Australia They might be praying for you in Alaska In Hawaii In New York We don't know where they're praying for you at But God has special people that pray for us And those of us that that need Christ in our lives God has has, uh, those intercessors to pray And God wants you to know how much you are loved. How much He cares about you. That you mean the world to Him. Try Jesus. Give God a chance. Let God know Father, I've tried everything else. I've tried drugs. I've tried sex. I've, I've tried illicit affairs. I've, I've been in, in, in uh, sexual perversion. God, I, 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 I'm an alcoholic. God, I beat my wife. God, I beat my children. God, I, I, I'm a thief. I've stolen. God, I'm a murderer. God, I've done all kinds of things. How can you love me? But he so loved the world. And that means you and me and all of the people in the past, all the people right now, and all the people in the future who are going to be born into this world. Jesus died for every last one of us. And it is up to you to accept. The invitation to come to Christ. And so I want to lead you in the sinner's prayer. And if you're not saved and you want to be saved, all you have to do is just ask Christ to come into your life to save you, to forgive you. Renounce all of your sins. Thank, uh, Thank Jesus for coming into your life and saving you. And if you mean that in your heart, if you mean that in your heart when you pray, God will save you right there on the spot. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And uh, once you repeat after me and you mean this prayer and you've received Christ, I'm going to ask you to email me and let me know, and I will send you some information to uh, uh, get you started on your journey in Christ. But let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life and save me. I no longer want to live in sin. Forgive me, Jesus. I renounce all of my sins. I renounce All of the workings of the devil in my life. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant that prayer from your heart, you might cry. You may not feel anything. Your hands may go up. You may be on your knees. I don't know what you might be feeling at this moment. But whatever you're feeling or whatever you don't feel, I want you to know that if you meant that prayer from your heart, God saved you. You are now saved. You are now in the family of God. And if that is so, and you're now in the family of God, I want you to email me at a word from God 3 at AOL.com And tell me uh, Sister Becky I received Christ Jesus On the show And uh, I need some help Can you tell me what Bible Scriptures I need to read And I will I will uh, uh, send you some information On what to do After you've become A born again Christian Well I thank God For each and every one of you I pray as I said earlier that you learn something about who you are uh in the discovering um you series uh next week we're going to be uh doing a new uh not a new series but we're going to be teaching on the kidnapped mind. We're going to talk about uh, having the mind of Christ, how to get the mind of Christ, how to how to uh Uh, No longer be bound In our mind No no longer having our mind Captivated by the things Of the enemy That we're no longer bound To the truths of God So we're going to be talking about The kidnapped mind Because some of you Satan has come in And he's kidnapped your mind He's got you believing Certain things that are not true He has you speaking things That are not true And so we want to Uh, Speak on the kidnapped mind next week. We want to set you free in your mind, set you free in your spirit. Know how to handle, how to use the Word of God for every situation in your life. Well, hallelujah. We thank and praise God. I mean, it has been a blessed evening for me. As always, a joy uh, coming before you all and sharing the Word of God with you. And I want to thank you for tuning in to A Word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us on this evening. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for Him. I will see you next week, and good night.